Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Russell, welcome to Denver. Uh, I have two questions for you. When you step back and you, you look at what you want to do here, what legacy do you want to leave as a Denver Bronco, and, and how many years do you do you want to continue playing? Yeah, my goal is to play 10 to 12 more years and hopefully win three to four more Super Bowls. Mm. Uh, that's that's the plan. So um, I think that's that's the mindset. Um, that's why I came here, to, to hopefully be able to finish my career here and to finish on top as a champion, you know, and, uh, and, and do it multiple times. So that, that's my mindset. There's Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. Man, that's still really fun to say. It hasn't gotten old at all, John, at all, to say that Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco. Might never get old. Uh, But to hear Russell Wilson tell us in his introductory press conference with the Denver Broncos that he plans to play 10 to 12 more years and win three or four more Super Bowls. I mean, if that's not Broncos porn for fans, I don't know what is, man. You know what I mean? Like, that is just, that's got to hit it perfectly for fans. Like, that's, how do you not get fired up hearing that? Yeah, you love to hear it. And he said before that he wants to play until he's 45. And I really think he's kind of chasing like a Tom Brady thing because on Jimmy Kimmel's night show, he said he was like, if you want to be a Tom, and then he stopped himself and he was like, uh, if you want to play to 45 like I do. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I heard that. You were saying if you want to be a Tom Brady, like I think that's like what he's chasing. And it's like, hey, Tom Brady played till he's 45. I can do that too. And I really think he like he doesn't do the TB12 method. He has whatever his own method is, but he says he spends a million dollars a year on his body. So clearly, like this is really serious to him, like staying fit, staying in shape, the longevity. He thinks he can do it. And I was thinking about it, like even if Tom Brady is like an outlier and like 45 is like unrealistic and he's not going to get there, like I'll take playing to the Peyton Manning landmark. Like Manning played until he was 40 and Wilson's only 33 right now. So if Wilson, you know, if Brady is an unrealistic goal, but Manning is more feasible, like that's seven years of Russell Wilson being your quarterback. And that's also, and if he does play as long as he wants to, you know, you got 10 or 12 years, that's even better. I'll take it. Like, I love it. They're going to have to obviously get an extension done with him because right now he's just got two years, but I, I think they'll be willing to do it. Like right now he's a huge bargain. It's like 24 million this year and 27 million next year, something like that. And I bet he's probably going to want to be like a 45 million a year guy. And I think he deserves it. And with the salary cap going up every year, if they gave him like a five year extension within like three, four years, it may be we may be looking at it like it's a bargain again, like we are looking at his current contract. So for the people that are worried, like at some point he's going to need a massive extension. I'm not worried about that. I think when you got a franchise quarterback, you pay him. And it's just so nice to have him. And, And like you said, that press conference it just makes you so excited. And it was like two weeks ago now. So it feels like it was a little while ago because of everything that happened in free agency, but we haven't had a pod since that press conference. And I I just wanted to touch on like, he reminded me so much of Peyton Manning, like his, his drive, like how motivated he is and just like how studious he is. He talked about watching every game from the Broncos season, including the preseason games, 
because he wanted to see like KJ Hamler who got hurt and he wanted to see guys that were like lower on the depth chart who didn't get to play a lot. And he said he watched the games multiple times. And I was like, that, like it just brings back Manning memories. And you could tell that he wasn't lying because he specifically mentioned plays for all of the wide receivers, including he mentioned a Jerry Judy play from like two years ago. Yeah, and he mentioned cool. like a, yeah. a KJ Hamler preseason play. And he talked about like all the offensive linemen. He talked about Javante Williams. It's like this guy did his homework. And then once he's officially joins them, he flies out the wide receivers and Alberto out to California and he starts throwing his backyard. Did you see that Ryan? If not, I got to send it to you. He has like a mini football field in his backyard. Like that's like my dream. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And Jerry Judy once in there initially, and some fans were kind of freaking out about it. Even some media people were talking about it. Like it was an issue. And I was like, okay guys, let's calm down. And it turned out Judy had like a family situation going on. And then a week later he got out to California and worked with Wilson one-on-one. And I was like, Guys, can we just not overreact to stuff with that? So Wilson, he's already worked with all his receivers. You know, the offseason program's coming up in a couple of weeks. They're going to start doing the official on the field stuff in a few weeks. So it's just so exciting to see. And circling back to Manning one more time, he talked about speaking to Manning before he came here when he knew that this was like a strong possibility. He, he reached out to Manning multiple times and because Manning was in a very similar situation. You know, you're with one team for a while. You win a Super Bowl and then you, you know, your time with them ends in a split. You go somewhere else and you want to win another Super Bowl. And so, like, w- Manning's the perfect reference for Wilson, not just to talk to him, like, hey, how did you do that? How did it go well? He can also be like, hey, what didn't go well? What do you wish you could have done differently? And just to have someone like Manning to be a resource like that, I love it. And I just love, like, Manning, he's retired now, and even in retirement, he's so closely connected to the Broncos. He goes to all their home games. He lives in the Denver area, and like he'd like to become a minority owner now. I just, I love how associated he is with the team still, and I hope that he's able to, you know, jump on whatever the winning bid is for ownership because he's just helping the team so much, even in retirement. And it's just so cool to see Wilson able to use him as a resource like that. And it's just. Wilson in general, it just makes you excited, excited, as you can probably tell from the voice and my, the excitement in my voice. It's just you can you can just look ahead to the next few weeks when they get on the field. It's just going to get even better. And then training camp rolls around like training camp is going to be buzzing. It's going to be like the Peyton Manning years. You know, preseason game is going to be excited. And, you know, maybe the Broncos will play in the season opener. You know, Russell Wilson against the Rams, a team that was in his old division. Uh, the Rams coming off a Super Bowl win. So it's just it's very exciting time to be following the Broncos. And the number one reason is Russell Wilson. Well, absolutely. And his, and his press conference hit all the right notes and you, and you hit a lot of that. And I want to start with the presser a little bit, because as you said, John, we haven't recorded since that. I know it was a little while ago. I did refresh myself with the presser. We're going to get into some of the free agent signings and draft stuff here coming up a little bit later in the show, but we're going to start with the presser here. My main takeaway, and you hit on this, you know, John, it wasn't only that Russell Wilson was rattling off plays and highlights, uh, from the Broncos last couple seasons, but he's calling the running back J Dub. And he's calling you know, yep. he called Jerry Judy a star. So let's not worry about Jerry Judy. I agree with you there. He's talking about Cush and Q when he's talking about the offensive lineman, right? And he says AO for the tight end. Like he's talking about these guys like he knows them. And yep. I thought one of the most interesting things to me that came out of the presser was that after the trade was agreed to, so that 
the two sides, the Seahawks and the Broncos, agreed to terms on the trade. Well, George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett still had to sell Wilson on the Broncos. That was kind of fun, right? Like, you got Russell Wilson immediately turning on the film, checking out the Broncos on his vacation, then flying to Denver. He meets with those guys. Like, thankfully, we had a, a competent enough GM and coach to to get him to believe in Denver and want to come here, right? So, like, that was that was kind of fun. We got to remember, Russell Wilson had the ultimate choice. So they agreed to the trade, but it was still Peyton and Hackett kind of selling Russell Wilson. And whatever they told him obviously uh, worked out, and whatever he was seeing on film obviously worked out for Wilson. Uh I will say this, John. You know, one of the another main takeaway from the presser is Nathaniel Hackett is a freaking goofball, right? Like, uh, he is just hilarious. what a goofy guy. <laughs> I mean, him sprinting to the podium like a little kid and going, "Wow, holy sh, guys, Russell Wilson, guys, Russell Wilson." I mean, can you imagine Vic Fangio doing that? Like, it's probably a good thing because Pete Carroll's a super goofy guy too, right? So, that, that Nathaniel Hackett, what a freaking goofball again, right? Like, uh, all that, and I guess another takeaway. Russell, we know you got a lot of friends and you love Seattle. You, that went on a little too long for me, John. Like, do that on your own time, Russ. Like, go on Instagram and post a video. You spent a little bit too much time talking about Seattle. I know. I'm, I'm probably being an a-hole. There. Uh, but that was, but I, I think another cool thing from the presser was that I forgot he got drafted by the Colorado Rockies. Like, I, that just, you know, maybe in the back of my mind somewhere that was rattling around. But, like, I forgot he got drafted by the Rockies, played in that organization for a couple years, had ties in memories in Colorado, that's kind of a cool little nugget too, right? That's probably another reason why he was excited to come here. Yep, yep, that's really cool. And it it's just, it makes me think like the Broncos, they can't draft a good quarterback, but they're very good at getting other guys yes, quarterbacks yes. who also happen to play baseball. Like John Elway, the Broncos didn't draft him. Um, they didn't draft, obviously, Peyton Manning. Manning didn't play baseball, but like you're saying, Russell Wilson did. The Broncos didn't draft Russell Wilson. I'm like, maybe Kyler Murray, you know, in 10 years at the end of his career after he's won a Cardinals Super Bowl, come to Denver again. But uh, we don't have to think about that right now. It's so nice. Like, we don't even have to think about uh, little Arch Manning playing uh, high school football and going into college. Like, we don't have to dream about the Broncos franchise quarterback of the future anymore because we have one, you know, like I said, probably at least seven years if he plays as long as he's hoping to 10 12 years and it's just it's such a relief now it's like the biggest question mark it's off the list and now everything else like it all matters but to an extent i'm just like it doesn't even matter like we have a franchise quarterback everything else it like don't stress about it you know we're gonna be okay now yeah i mean and i joked about russell wilson going on and on about his seattle days it did feel like a retirement speech at times when he did his little opening monologue with the media there, John. And it's just because it just reminds you in that moment, like this doesn't happen. Like this caliber of player getting traded doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. This is such a new thing. Um, A a player of this stature at this age, a a guy who's set up to play maybe for 10 more years um, and have a second half of his career, like a legit second half of his career with another organization it just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Maybe it's starting to happen now. I mean, the offseason's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little wild. Yeah, I year. think it may yeah. it might start like somewhat of a trend, like not yep. become yep. common, but like now that the door's been opened, maybe this is something that will be a little more often in the NFL now. Yeah, so so that was wild. The press conference was uh super interesting. Uh and you know what the Broncos are doing here in the offseason, John, is interesting as well. I think, you know, the biggest free agent move outside of trading for Russell Wilson, obviously 
is signing edge rusher Randy Gregory, literally prying him away from the Cowboys, right? Uh, that thing was kind of crazy how it worked out. Sounded like, you know, the initial reports were Gregory was re-signing with the Cowboys. Then there was some language in the contract or something uh, that made Gregory want to flip and change his mind and come to the Broncos. How do you feel about that, John? I know you've gone back and forth a little bit. I mean, the, the main thing that it's hard to ignore with Gregory is that he's been suspended for more games than he's played. It's one of those moves where it's like you can see the talent, right? Like Broncos fans should YouTube, if they haven't seen it, they hit Gregory put on Mac Jones last year against the Patriots. Just type that into YouTube and watch that. I, I would have been on a gurney, John, if I got hit like that. Uh, like Randy Gregory hit Mac Jones last year. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at his history. There's definitely some risk with this player. You, you watch film on him. There's clear talent but they gave him a good, you know, a pretty big contract, and they're taking on a little bit of risk. What do you think about Randy Gregory? Yeah, initially when they when I first saw that they were assigning first, I was like, like you said, wow, they got him away from the Cowboys. That was kind of a weird situation, but yeah. also kind of funny that they snatched him away from Jerry Jones, like they did with Pat Sertan in the draft last year. It worked out fine for the Cowboys because they got Micah Parsons. But I just. I think it's funny when the Broncos pester Jerry Jones because it true. seems that like keeps happening. Yeah, it's so yeah true. they have a history of doing that. But initially, I was kind of not like upset about it, but I was a little bit like curious. Like I don't know, I'm not quite sure. Like you were mentioning with the off-field suspensions and stuff, and he's also had a handful of injuries. I was like, I'm not sure how I really feel about this. But I, I learning about him more because I hadn't really followed the Cowboys closely. I wasn't following Gregory closely. Apparently his, he was suspended for two full seasons and then he was suspended for 14 games in a third season. So he's basically missed three full seasons and all of his suspensions were for failing marijuana drug tests. And I, I didn't know that it, he says that they were all marijuana tests that he failed. And if that's the case, like now the NFL doesn't even care about marijuana really, right, like right. they really don't. Yep. So that shouldn't be a problem at all for him that he shouldn't be getting suspensions for something like that anymore. And, and lately he's been healthy and people mentioned like I saw people tweeting like 16 and a half sacks in seven years and you give him, you know, this big contract. I'm like, okay, that's not fair at all. Because like I just said, he basically missed three full seasons. So he's, he's played four years in the NFL essentially. And again, like 16 and a half sacks is still not a lot. Like I, I want him to get more than six sacks in a season in Denver, but you, you also got to understand there's more to pressure than just sacks like you mentioned like that big hit on mac jones and he's played in 50 games and he has 52 quarterback hits in his career and he had you know he had a pretty good pass rush win rate in the nfl last season and his pressure forced five turnovers you know he forces fumbles on strip sacks he had an interception last year and like a turnover you know, forcing a turnover, uh, like forcing the quarterback to throw an interception, that's even better than a sack. And obviously, like you can get a turnover on a strip sack, but I just mean there's more to pressure and generating pressure than just the sacks. And like, yeah, hopefully he gets his sack numbers up, but I don't think that's as big of a red flag as some people made it out to be. And with his age, I feel like obviously it's not ideal that he was suspended so long, but it might have a little bit of a silver lining that, you know, he didn't have three years of his body getting beating up, maybe as a pass rusher, you know, as a football player, maybe his body's a little bit younger than a typical 30 year old pass rusher would be in the NFL. So that it might be a little bit of a silver lining. And they, you know, his contract, it's averaged like 14 million a year 
Von Miller got like 20 million a year. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, that makes sense why the Broncos didn't bring him back. They couldn't do that. And Chandler Jones, he got like 17 million and 17 and a half million a year. So when you see that, you know, Gregory, he's three, four years younger than them. He's, you know, a couple million dollars cheaper per season than them. So I understand why they did it, you know, and I think that the suspensions, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. I, he actually, I said that he's healthy now, but he actually, he did get a scope on his shoulder, but the Broncos clearly don't think that's a big deal because they knew about that when they signed him, they still passed his physical and, you know, they were in agreement with him that he's going to get a scope. And I guess it's going to sideline him for this off season or at least part of it, but they expect him to be good to go and all set for the regular season. So I, I'm not worried about that because they're not. I think if they thought it was an issue, they just wouldn't have signed him. So I think his health is okay. I'm pretty sure the suspensions aren't going to be a thing, a, a problem for him anymore. And the production, I think they just, they're betting on his traits. Like you said, you can see the talent. I think just watching the film, you know, the traits stood out to George Payton. You know, they think, you know, get him because he only played I don't think he played like half the snaps in Dallas last year so if he's like a full-time starter in Denver maybe he gets up to like a 10-12 sack season getting you know twice the opportunity so at first I was a little hesitant about it but you know as time went on I looked into it more I think it's a fine signing I think it's going to work out fine for them yeah I was facilitating a little bit when I posed the question to you um my actual feelings on this is I like it it feels like a savvy move I think he's a player on the come, right? He he seems like he's coming up, kind of coming into his own, ready to like kind of break out. And I agree with you. He's 29 years old, but he does feel like a young 29 when you factor in he's missed two full seasons and 14 games in another. So he, he really, he missed basically three years and he's 29. So he's a young 29, John. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of like this, the signing. It's a sneaky little savvy move. I could see him having a breakout year. He's, He's a good player, man. He's got mad talent when you when you watch him. Uh, let's let's get your take now on what the Broncos have been doing so far in free agency, kind of leading into the draft through that first wave. Randy Gregory's probably their biggest signing, um, aside of you know bringing back Josie Jewell. But you know what they've done is the last time we spoke, John, you kind of laid out their big positions of need heading into free agency in the draft, and they pretty much addressed each need with at least you know, adding an edge rusher in Randy Gregory, right? They've addressed the D-line. They got an offensive tackle. They, uh, they, they've got a cornerback back, right? Like, they're setting themselves up to kind of double down at these positions in the draft rather than going in with a glaring need. And that, I like that strategy when you don't have a first-round pick. So now you can kind of just pick based on the best guy on your board rather than trying to make sure you're filling a glaring need. What do you think of that strategy so far? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic strategy. I think it's exactly what George Payton loves to have the scenario be. You know, you patch up, like you said, not all these guys are going to be long-term solutions, but at least for this year, you know, they dressed edge rusher with Randy Gregory. They addressed the defensive line with DJ Jones. Billy Turner, he's a perfectly fine right tackle, at least, you know, for a year or two. It, it, Josie Jewell's back, so inside linebacker, it's not a huge glaring need. They got Quan Williams, the 49ers slot cornerback, so now cornerback's not a glaring need. And they brought in a blocking tight end in Eric Tomlinson. So, you know, they got someone to pair with Albert O. And like you said, you still want depth. You still want competition. You like, it would be nice if they had a long-term right tackle. It'd be nice if they have a long-term inside linebacker, 
but you're not going into the draft saying, okay, with their first pick in the second round, they have to draft this position because it's such a glaring hole. Like they don't have any glaring holes. They they've got every, basically everything's all set to go. Now it's build for the future and add some more depth. And like, that's just, that's a perfect scenario. That's exactly where you want to be in the draft. Cause you don't want to go in reaching for needs. You want to be, you know, that drafting the best place ability, uh, best player available and just rounding out your roster with just promising young talent that's going to be developed in the coming years. So they still, they still will probably make a few moves, maybe not necessarily before the draft, but like if some of these guys stick around after the draft and, and who knows, maybe even before the draft, like George Payton spoke at the owner's meeting and he was asked about Kareem Jackson, their safety, and Melvin Gordon, the running back. And he said they're spoken to both their agents and they like to bring them both back. So those two guys, you know, if Jackson comes back, like they're set at safety, they will, I don't think they would even need to draft a young safety because they have Caden Stearns. And if Jackson doesn't come back, like Caden Stearns, he can still start and they can just draft depth. So I really think they're in a pretty good spot. They might still do some signings here and there, but I really like where they are. I really like that, you know, all basically every position we talked about after they added Russell Wilson, they addressed all of them. Yeah, I mean, I think the of the notable Broncos free agents that are still out there, Kareem Jackson's number one on the uh, or one of them on the list. Melvin Gordon, another one. The fact that they haven't brought Melvin Gordon back yet, John, is telling to me. I feel like just just draft somebody in the fourth or fifth round, please. Like you know, come come on. We don't need to bring back Melvin Gordon, but whatever. If if they do, they do. Kenny Young's another one. I I mean, maybe you're a little surprised, John, that they haven't pulled the trigger on Kenny Young yet. Uh, he's your boy. Yeah, I I really did like him, but they they apparently are huge fans of Josie Jewell and just how he's kind of a glue guy and holds the demons together. I like the way Young came in and played last year, but I wonder if maybe they just. They don't like what his market is, and maybe other teams don't like what his market is either, because he's still, or what his demands are, I should say. Like he must be looking for more than what teams want to pay him. And him and Alexander Johnson, both of them, he's their other free agent linebacker. They're both still out there. And I'm wondering if guys like them and even Melvin Gordon, I wonder if they will wait themselves until after the draft and see, okay, this team did not draft a running back. Okay, this team did not draft a linebacker. I can get playing time. I'll go there. I wonder if if some of these guys will start to go off the free agency board in you know, late April, early May. So it, it, there's a couple of guys to track from the Broncos, like you mentioned, but for the most part, I, I think they're mostly done with free agency besides just depth here or there. On the uh, Kareem Jackson front, just because I'm seeing this a lot on Broncos Twitter and you know, just Broncos media in general, uh, Tyron Matthews still on the market. I, I think Saints fans are begging for you know Matthew after you know they've had some turnover at safety uh the Broncos haven't brought Kareem Jackson back yet if they were going to make a splash maybe this could be one the honey badger bring him in as the strong safety I don't know if it's a perfect comp to what Kareem Jackson does in the defense John but do you think there's any chance they make a splash it's uh, you know uh, and go for a big name safety like Matthew or do you think that's a pipe dream I think if I say no they're not going to do that they'll do it <laughs> then say no John say silly. no so I won't say that, but I kind of feel like he's more of a, a slot defensive back, more of like a nickelback. And the Broncos, they just signed a slot corner. And I, I don't really view Matthew as like a like for like of what uh, Kareem Jackson's job was. And maybe I'm not viewing that completely right. So 
Matthew might be a possibility, but I just kind of have a feeling they're either going to re-sign Jackson or just draft a young safety. I, I just feel like in Denver's defense, I picture Matthew as more of like a nickel defensive back, and they just signed one from the 49ers, so I don't necessarily think that will happen. All right, so let's talk about where we stand now, John. Give me your updated um, where the Broncos stand now going into the draft after all the moves they made in free agency. Kind of like you said, it's it's a lot of like depth, long-term type of deals. They're not going to have to draft a – it's a good thing when you don't have a first-round pick, but they're not going to have to draft a Pat Sertan so he can like be out there playing real snaps, right? Like they don't, They're not really in a position where they need a rookie to come in and do that. If they do, great, but that's not really the case. Like – what what are their top needs now going into the draft? Yeah, I think one position, kind of a sneaky position to watch is running back, especially if they don't re-sign Melvin Gordon. If they bring back Gordon on like a one-year deal, I don't think running back will be, you know, priority until like real late in the draft. But if they don't re-sign Gordon, Peyton, when he was with the Vikings, you know, he obviously wasn't running the show because he was like an assistant GM. But when he was part of that front office, they drafted a running back on average every other year. And he just traded up for uh, Javante Williams last year in the second round. So clearly he he has a value for running backs. And last year they liked Williams and Melvin Gordon splitting it almost 50-50. Peyton himself has spoken about the importance of that. And then Nathaniel Hackett comes in. He's also spoken about the importance of having a stable of running backs. And when you look at the Packers last year, Aaron Jones, he's such a good running back, but they still gave uh, A.J. Dillon like half the workload because yeah. they want to keep them both healthy and fresh. So I think the Broncos definitely, either if it's with a draft or bringing back Gordon, I think they're going to add another running back to the mix. So that's one position that you don't really think about because they have Javante Williams, but I think it's something to keep an eye on. And then tight end. Uh, they got a real good blocking tight end this offseason. I think they want another kind of receiving tight end to kind of push Alberto a little bit because they don't have super great depth there. And like we talked about, if they don't re-sign Kareem Jackson, it would be nice to have another person to kind of push and compete with Caden Stearns at strong safety. And at corner, Pat Sertan, Ronald Darby, those are your outside guys. Williams, they just signed. He can play in the slot. Michael O.J. Moody, in my mind, he's a very good fourth cornerback. And then I even like Essing Bassey. I think he's a fine fifth cornerback. But you want to have at least six cornerbacks because we've we've seen in recent years, the cornerbacks can just go down. And, you know, it's such a pass happy league. There's so many times when you have four, even five corners on the field at one time. Uh, Certainly, there's going to be plenty of times when they have three on the field. So you got to have a lot of corners. So even though they don't need like a, a start right away, like you said, they don't need a Pat Sertan, but you need more corner depth in my mind. And inside linebackers, the same thing. I think they're kind of set with the starting core. The starting three candidates I think are fine, but Josie Jewell, he's only on a two-year deal. So I don't think he's a, a long-term, well, I mean, he's not like a far out guy and Alex Singleton, they brought him in to compete for a job. I think he only got like a one-year deal. So they could use some long-term inside linebackers, but again, it's not someone that you have to plug in and start right away. So that's really nice. And then right tackle. Like I think Billy Turner, well, I remember him when he was in Denver, I thought he was a really good quality swing guard slash tackle. And now he's been starting the last few years in green Bay with Hackett. So I think he's improved, taking a step forward. I think he's fine for right now, but again, it would still be nice to have a young guy that we can count on 
because you know Turner's getting up there he's getting older he's not going to play forever so it'd be nice to have a a long-term plan at right tackle and then look I said I've put this position last in my list but it might honestly be one of the top ones I still think they need defensive line because they signed DJ Jones from the 49ers and initially I thought okay there's your Shelby Harris replacement but after you know hearing him talk about how he describes how he plays and after seeing some clips of him with the 49ers to me he seems to be more of a nose tackle than a defensive end and Shelby Harris actually Vic Fangio did try to play Harris at nose tackle and he hated it (laughs) and it went a lot better when he went out to end but um, so Harris is more of an end. Jones is more of a nose tackle. So I think they could probably still use a defensive end, even though it, even as I say that, I don't think it matters too, too much because I, they're not going to in today's NFL. You're in nickel so much like they're not going to be in their base defense the majority of the time. It's kind of ironic. It's their base defense, but it's not even what they use the most. So in a lot of scenarios, they may only have two defensive linemen on the field and then, you know, Chubb and Brad, uh, Bradley Chubb and uh, Randy Gregory as your outside edge rushers. Those are basically your third and fourth defensive linemen. So uh, I, they don't necessarily need like a top quality starter defensive end, but at the very least they need more depth there. So I, I'm saying I'm rattling off all these positions because they could use more depth and long-term guys. But again, we're just reiterating, there's no glaring weakness. There's no glaring. We have to have a new starter here. And that's just really nice position to be in. Yeah, it is. It feels like the Broncos have a ton of momentum going into this draft. It feels like it's all kind of set up for them, John, to compete. feels like the Broncos are going to be feared in the AFC. And now I guess the question is, are we getting unlucky because of what's going on in the AFC West, right? Like any other year, I'd be like, oh man, the Broncos are going to dominate this division. But I don't know. This division's out of control, right? Like I know the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill, which is, I, I think in our, in our little email exchange, you had laughing emoji. So I want to get your take on that for sure. But it's still the Chiefs. It's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still that operation, right? We still got to beat that team. Uh, the Raiders going out and getting... Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and the Chargers bringing in J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. I mean, their defense, they already had uh, Derwin James and Nick Bosa. Their their defense is going to be insane. (laughs) Crazy. So you look at the AFC West. Yeah, the Broncos are loading up. So are the other teams. I guess the Chiefs aren't really loading up, right? What's going on with the Chiefs? But those other teams, the Raiders and the Chargers, they've definitely gotten better. So the AFC West is going to be no picnic, man. These teams are going to beat up on each other and there's going to be some like cannibalization in that division i think right like that's going to be real yeah it's it's a crazy division it, it like basically every afc west game should be in prime time like all those matchups are going to be so fun to watch and it was kind of funny it was just a coincidence but it was almost like the broncos started a chain reaction for like an arms race like the broncos bring in Russell Wilson. And then shortly after that, the Chargers, you know, like you said, they bring in JC Jackson, they bring in uh, Khalil Mack, then the Raiders get Chandler Jones. And it's just, and then after all that, it's like, man, all these AFC West teams, you know, they're gearing up. They're going to give the Chiefs a run for their money. And it's like, now what are the Chiefs going to do? Okay, we're going to trade away the best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, like not, maybe he's not the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he's so, so important to their offense. Like that, that is, and I know they got draft picks. And, you know, as a Broncos fan, you can only hope that they don't use those picks really well because then, you know, they're just not going to miss a beat. In the, and I, they're still the team to beat in the AFC West because they still have Patrick Mahomes. I think George Payton at the owners meeting, he said it so well. You know, he was asked about 
Tyreek Hill leaving the division and how nice that is and how nice, you know, be a, a you know, kind of a big loss for the Chiefs. And he kind of said, well, until they trade away their head coach and quarterback, it, it doesn't really matter too much. And I was like, you know, that's really true. You know, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are still kind of the team to beat. They're still a problem. I, I thought it was funny that they traded away Tyreek Hill when all the other AFC West teams looked like they were loading up, but they're still going to be a tough team to face. And the division overall is going to be crazy. The, the whole AFC is going to be crazy yeah. with the Browns getting Deshaun Watson. And then the Bills, I already thought the Bills were the favorite. It's probably because I'm biased and I don't like the Chiefs. So I don't want to say the Chiefs are the favorite, but I, agree with you. I thought the Bills were the team to beat in the AFC. And then they add Von Miller to that. And yep. now I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, the Bills are just even better than they were. Dangerous. And I, you know, yep. I hope the Broncos don't have to play them in the playoffs and go up against Von Miller. That would be sad, you know. If the Broncos get knocked out by someone else, then I hope Miller wins another Super Bowl, even though it's an AFC team. Like Broncos fans are always going to love Von Miller. Hopefully it just it's not against the Broncos that he does his damage, hopefully. But yeah, the division's crazy. The whole conference is crazy. And it's just another reason to be excited about the season. And I think, like you said, they're going to cannibalize each other a little bit, kind of like the uh, NFC West last season. Like That was such a tough division. But I think once you, even if you're like around 500 in your division, you can still be a really good team because the Rams did not run their division last year. You know, they didn't have a great record and they still go on to win the Super Bowl. And it's not to say the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl this year. But, you know, even if you're, you know, your division is such a dogfight and you, you're not like, maybe they don't even have to win the AFC West. You just got to get one of the three wildcard spots to get into the dance, and then anything can happen. So it's it's crazy division, but I think they can, you know, they can manage to get through it and make the playoffs this year for the first time since Manning. Yeah, I think if you're projecting it out, you're, you're projecting three playoff teams from the AFC West. There's going to be three of them, and there's going to be a really good team that doesn't make it. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at. I got to correct myself. I think I called... Uh, I, th- I think I said Nick Bosa for the Chargers. It's Joey Bosa. That just like has been sitting in the back of my head. I'm like, I knew I screwed that up when I said it. I'm like, which freaking Bosa is it on the Chargers? Damn it. I knew I screwed that up. So it's Joey Bosa. Just want to correct myself there. Uh, we know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. I got a, I got a six-month-old. You know, give me, give, me, give me a little bit of slack here. Yeah, we'll uh, cut you plenty yeah, of slack. Cut me a little slack. Uh, so I just, I just love where the Broncos are at, John. It's just such a different feeling going into a season when you got Russell Wilson you hear him talking going back to that press conference you know he just he's a grown man he's who's obsessed with football you talked about him spending a million dollars on his body a year and I just feel like with him it's faith family and football that's all he cares about that's what it's all about for him he's gonna you know sleep eat drink all that I mean it's all football all the time he legit wants to win and wants to bring Denver championships and it's gonna be it's gonna be great I do get to ask you, though, John, I know Russell Wilson is a very spiritual guy, and is it a bad omen that Russell Wilson becomes a Bronco and then the stadium catches on fire? Like, is that a bad omen? Like, I hope not. I sure hope not, too. Everybody on Twitter is joking, you know, let Russ cook, but no, not like that. Um, And and we joke about it because nobody was hurt and, you know, all the people are okay, but it was kind of serious for the stadium. You know, a couple hundred seats were damaged. You know, I think like a dozen suites were damaged and Joe Ellis, their president and CEO, he was saying like the steel beams started to melt a little bit and with supply chain issues, it will, it could be a while to get them fixed. He even said it will be a challenge to get the stadium 
at like that section of it prepared in time for the season. So that's kind of crazy. And, you know, people are doing conspiracy theories and stuff. I think mostly in jest, you know, saying it's like insurance fraud to try to, you know, get a new stadium with the new <laughs> owner coming in. I, people, I think, are primarily joking about that. But Ellis, he did say, you know, he was talking or asked about, you know, the possibility of the next owner be, uh, wanting to build a new stadium. And he said that he thinks that will be, you know, topic number one for the next owner to consider. So I don't know, a new stadium might be something the Broncos do um, in the coming years. And, you know, one thing about that, like, I don't think they necessarily need a new stadium. I think the location, I know it's like outdated with like the design and stuff, but I think it's fine. And I especially wouldn't want them to get a dome because I think it's cool to have like snow games and it's cool. And like, also it barely ever snows anyway. Like everybody thinks of Colorado and Denver as like this snowy blizzardy place. And it's often like, it does have snowstorms and it does have snow, but it's not like bitter cold freezing most of the year. Like it's a very pleasant place. And like the Broncos, they, they told that to Peyton Manning when he was considering them. Cause you know, he kind of thought that stereotype too, like, uh, is it Colorado kind of cold? And they were like, uh, by the way, Peyton Manning, the average kickoff temperature is 65 degrees in Denver. <laughs> and, and like, and it's real, like that's a true stat. So, you know, I say don't build a dome, don't roof the stadium. If they even do build a stadium, I don't think it's necessarily needed. And I also say like, I saw the bills, they're building. Yes, like I was going to say this when you were done. Yeah, exactly. Billion stadium and like eight. 150 million is from like taxpayers. Like, I think that's ridiculous. The NFL makes so many billions. The owners make so many billions, like make your own stadium, build your own stadium. I do not like making the city, making the fans, making the taxpayers build your stadium. And they always say, well, this generates so much money for the stadium or for the city. And there's study after study that says at Dunson, it's not worth it. You know, the return on investment, especially for the individual person, it's not worth it. So I, I just don't want them. If it's going to be pulling money from the people to build a stadium, I'm not in favor of that, but that's my little stadium rant. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I I like that. And then also the bills, if the bills are building a stadium without a dome, without a, without a roof, I should say, John, then the Broncos can't, the Broncos can't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Buffalo, my God, I went to, I actually went to a Buffalo game last year because my brother-in-law is a diehard Bills fan. And, of course, it was raining sideways and freezing cold and terrible <laughs> weather. Like, it doesn't matter. Unless you go in September, you're screwed in Buffalo. So, But they're not building a dome. So, no, there's no way the Broncos can build a dome. It, you just need that that mile-high atmosphere in the elements. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, there's and the no beautiful dome. view, the Rocky yes, Mountains. 100%. 100%. So, all right, John, this is... I'm proud of us. We usually always go through a podcast where we kind of miss a few of our bullet points. We kind of save them for the next time, but we've pretty much hit all our bullet points. Um, I could give you the final word on London if you want. That's probably our last one. So let's let's finish this one off with what's your take on London? The Broncos, they could possibly be going out there. Yeah, I don't have any insider knowledge, but I just think it's very, very possible because Joe Ellis was pushing for them to play the Falcons in London in 2020 and they were going to, but all the London games were moved stateside because of COVID. And now, you know, they're a road opponent to the Jaguars who uh, the Jaguars have a home game in London this year. And Ellis has once again said that he's pushing the NFL. And I just think the NFL after, you know, 
that not every team volunteers to play in these games. So when you have a team that wants to, and they were going to, and their opportunity was taken away because of COVID, I think it's a very good chance that the NFL is going to grant the Broncos request, be like, Hey, they were going to do this. COVID took it away. So we're going to let them play the Jaguars this year. I just, I think it's pretty likely to happen. Again, I don't have like inside information on that. So don't take it to the bank, but I think they're going to be playing in London. And for, you know, a lot of fans are concerned about losing a home game and stuff. It would be a road game. So that's just a bonus. They still get all their home games. They get to go over to go to Europe and all the European Broncos fans. Like we forget sometimes that like, there's more Broncos fans than just in Denver and Colorado and even just in the United States. You know, there's a lot of Broncos fans and the opportunity for them to go see their favorite team. That's really cool. So I think it would be cool. Would you go out there, John, to cover it? I would definitely try to. If, yeah. if Even if not to cover it, I would definitely at least try to go as a fan. One way or the other, I would like to go yeah. over if they play yeah. there. That'd be a damn good trip. So, all right. So that's John Heath right there. Make sure you're all checking out Broncos Wire, getting all the latest here leading up to the draft. We'll be back, John, to talk some. We'll do another episode before the draft for sure. We'll do a, we'll do like a, a draft preview here in the next couple of weeks, right? That's that's kind of our plan. Yeah, we can do a little one final, one final uh, once and for all mock draft. No first round pick. Yeah, I, I like doing an episode on a mock draft. I don't like doing seven episodes on mock drafts. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, once you start doing a, m- multiple mock drafts, it, you start banging your head against the wall because it is really hard to predict. Even though somebody predicted Patrick Sertan last year. I don't know who that <laughs> might have been. We might have to dig that sound out, John. Pat some pl- backs, toot some horns. Yeah, we might have to play that sound in our in our official draft preview here coming up All in right, a few so- weeks. <laughs> Get yourself ready for yeah. our draft preview, Ryan. Yeah. Tell us who we're going to pick this yeah, year. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go in my vault, John, and I'm going to go figure it out. Right, right, in between uh, the changing diapers and, and giving the baby <laughs> bottles and all that. So, um, we'll be back in a few weeks again for John Heath. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.